0: What's up, everybody? It's Thea Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. We have an absolute treat for you today. Uh, We are interviewing Ken Harrison. He is the CEO of Promise Keepers. Uh, I'm going to guess that you've probably heard of Promise Keepers if you listen to this podcast. We've actually interviewed the president of the Canadian branch, which has recently rebranded as Impactus, But Promise Keepers continues to go strong in America. And Ken took over about five years ago, with really a mandate to, I would say, resurrect the organization. They were struggling. Um, They had built a lot of their model around live events. And as we know, uh, even prior to COVID, live events were kind of on the decline. And then obviously after COVID, things have changed a lot um this guy has a fascinating profile he was a lapd cop in compton uh, for many years before he started his own business that he then sold successfully in 2012 Um, he started a foundation in 2017 called waterstone that he's still the, the president and ceo of and then continues to be the chairman and the president of promise keepers as of i believe that was the end of 2017 or beginning of 2018 so this guy is unbelievable a fascinating story and um a real wealth of knowledge. He is a straight shooter, like you're gonna hear in his voice. Even like this guy was clearly an LAPD cop. Uh, LAPD cop. He's got kind of that uh, tough exterior, but man, he is chock full of the word and of wisdom, and just has a lot of insights to offer. I have never asked this many questions in a podcast because his answers were so sort of like short and succinct and to the point. And I actually really enjoyed that, but we did get to some cool things uh, talking about, uh, especially about masculinity um about society about really what men are to be doing in this day and age if they want to be successful uh in their spiritual lives in their homes and in their businesses or careers or whatever it might be and uh, we just kind of covered a little bit of everything so i know you're going to enjoy it Uh, i want to encourage you really if you really tune in to what he's saying there might be a couple moments where you actually need to hit pause just because uh there's so much depth and so much weight to what he says i encourage you to do that as you find it necessary But without further ado, guys, here's my interview with Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers. So here's the million dollar question How are men like us, who work hard, have good motives, and a God given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathia Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Perfect. Well, I'm here with Ken Harrison, uh, CEO of Promise Keepers. And Ken, uh, not just Promise Keepers, but you manage a, a completely different organization called Waterstone. You're a busy man. Thanks for taking a little bit of time to be here today.
1: Well, thanks, Cynthia. I appreciate it, man.
0: So um, I guess maybe as a starting point, you I know you, were, uh, you did Waterstone just a little bit before you got into Promise Keepers. What is it that excites you about Working with men and um, and you know just I guess having such a high level of influence in America, especially for the Christian men. You
1: know, it's funny when I first took over Promise Keepers. Um, you know, the press kind of rushed to to talk about this guy that Coach McCartney had and you know anointed to take over. And I was asked that question. You know, I, I find you you find sometimes the best truth best truth of yourself when you answer something without thinking. And so, without thinking, I just said. Well, it's not that I'm particularly passionate about men. I'm I'm passionate about um, helping women and children, and when men are screwed up, women and children are the ones who suffer. Right. I really believe that Satan's been laying down this groundwork for centuries, really, ever since Darwin and Freud uh, and Marx to destroy um, civilization, and he's going to do that by destroying men, because when men are weak, women and children suffer. And so I really believe that to the core of his plan is weak men yeah yeah and
0: i i think we're seeing that played out in our society you and i were talking a little bit about uh some of the things that that have been going on where i live in canada and uh it's certainly interesting times what are some of the things that you observe some of the specific areas that the enemy is really trying to attack to create weak men
1: well i mean the number one you're talking you you know you've you've written on this you know you're you're an expert on this pornography Yeah. Um, Men have within them an innate sexual drive created by God to be used for his glory to procreate the planet. Right. And we have within us a need to defend and provide for our love of our life, our wife. Right. Or or a girlfriend if you're not married. Pornography is this great imitation, this horrible imitation where you don't even have to give anything of yourself. It is an utterly selfish act. Yeah. Leads a man to be self-obsessed. And we see statistics flying around all over the place. I mean, you know this, but, um, you know, 28% of men in their 20s now have erectile dysfunction problems. Jeez. 28%. I mean, when I was in my 20s, if the wind blew, I had an erection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Because and it's called pornography-induced erectile dysfunction. Men yes. are used to looking at this stuff that they have issues. Imagine how that makes your wife feel. You come mm-hmm. to the bedroom, and you can't even be stimulated by your by your wife right imagine what that does to her self-esteem so pornography number one um and pornography i think creates cowards so i I was a policeman in south central los angeles in compton you know what people most people know as compton watts on the lapd during the gang wars and everything the crips and the bloods and all that stuff and what i saw was fatherless boys because you had down there a culture where it was just simply way ahead of its time it's now spreading to the rest of america and the world fatherless boys at a, a, a society built on violence and sex. And mm-hmm. so you had 95% of the people in South central LA were, are good people that have homes that, that love their families. They're all held hostage by 5% of these gangsters, you know, in their teens with guns and violence and, and, uh, and the lust in their eyes. And it's a horrific thing to see. And there's nothing they could do to fight about against it. And it was like a war zone every day. I mean, shootings and, unbelievable violence that came from a society of fatherless boys. So the two things I would, I would hit on are boys not being raised by older men to teach them self restraint and self-control yeah. and pornography um, at the root of it.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. We've had some other guests on here, talk about the impact of fathers, I think in a, in a positive sense when fathers are present and then the negative sense. And yeah, obviously the rates of crime, um, even just like, I mean, income earning levels, like it's across the board, the kind of the impact that happens there. So maybe we can go the other direction. What, what does happen when, when guys are showing up in their families and in their marriages, what happens when guys are not watching pornographies, like what are some of the qualities that really define a healthy man uh, from a Christian perspective in today's
1: society? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the, the most valuable words for a father are, I'm sorry, hmm. because you're going to screw up. Right. Know? I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, I, there have been times when I had to take my two boys and my daughter. and They're adults now, but and just say, hey, you know what, son? I I overreacted in that moment. I'm, I'm really sorry. There's something about, your child i mean uh, clearly i'm a strong man right so they're seeing a strong man humble himself before them and saying i screwed up would you forgive me and yeah by the way a true apology for everyone listening to this is one in which you tell you say what happened you say why it's wrong and you acknowledge how it affected the other person and you know too many men are like okay i screwed up sorry that's not an apology It is. I did this, and here's how it affected you, and how I'm acknowledging how it made you feel. And here's, by the way, what I'm going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again, right? Yeah. Pornography, by the way, another thing that comes from that, another wonderful byproduct of, besides cowardice, it's also anger, Mm -hmm. and uh, because pornography and sexual perversion leads to violence and anger.
0: Well, yeah, and I I, they did a study that about eighty percent of. Most content online now depicts aggression, violence, all that kind of stuff.
1: So it it literally is conditioning the brain to, you know, express anger in that way. So let me give you that positive side of that. So as a father, knowing to say, I'm sorry, and then your kids today need your help more than ever before, because they need, they see these things every day. They don't have the perspective to come up with, how do I deal with all this? They're being taught nonsense in schools. As we know, it's transgender, uh, just a massive agenda yeah. We have a very few, small percentage of people who are very screwed up with gender dysphoria who need our love. They need our support. They need Christ. They need us to, to, to interact with them in a loving way as Christians. But there's a movement that's taking that tiny bit of people and trying to make it into this giant thing. They're being used by people. So when you see we try to tell people, make sure that you understand the difference between individuals which all need to be loved. and a movement that's out there to manipulate and change and hurt people. We as fathers have to help our kids and our wives work through all these things, and how do we do that? We gotta know scripture, we have to know the Bible. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Bible literacy is, I would say, probably an all-time low in church. I think a lot of people have bought into this sort of consumer thing. You show up, you know, you get some nice music, clap your hands a little bit, get a 25-minute message and peace out. And so uh, everyone has a role to play in that, the church. And I think, you know, for me, like I've been part of churches that are more like that. And I just put the onus on my shoulders to read the Bible on my own if I wasn't going to get it on a Sunday morning. But If you are talking to someone who's like, okay, Ken, I hear what you're saying. Um, I know I need to step up. I I know I wanna lead better and I wanna know the truth and I wanna be able to help my family through some of these really tumultuous times so that they can know the truth. But maybe the Bible is just a daunting thing. They don't know where to get started. Uh, What would you just say to somebody who's
1: in that place? Um, A lot of stuff. I'm gonna try to make this into a 60 second answer. Um, (laughs) So um, life is a choice. And we make choices every day. And a lot of people put themselves into bondage, especially men. Um, Satan has, you know, things have happened to you in your life. Trauma has happened or, or defeat or disappointment. And then you begin to have an identity about yourself that's incorrect. And then Satan will continue to bring people along and situations along to reiterate that wrong impression. And what everyone needs to understand is every moment I have a choice. That's why Jesus says, you must die to yourself daily. Pick up yourself, your cross daily to follow me. Every day you have to decide, I'm going to be a man of God today. Today mm. I will. And the devil's mm. going to be there going, wait a minute. We've talked about pornography. You, you looked at porn all these times. You're always falling. You're just going to fall again. So why even try? No, no. That's why Jesus says we have to live in the present. Today I will be a man of God. Tomorrow will mm. take care of itself. Satan's going to try to get you to worry about tomorrow. He's going to point to your past and point to the future. A man of God lives in the moment. Yeah. Right, so we have to learn to live in the present, and Satan's going to tell you, say, You can't understand the Bible. What, what's even the point? You know, I would say, Um, you know, pick up my utmost for his highest. The devotional is very deep, it was written a hundred years ago. Mm. A, you can get it translated into a modern English today, cool. but very short devotionals that will really help everybody by Oswald Chambers. I would say, If you feel intimidated by the Bible, pick up my utmost for his highest. It, to me, it's the most viable book you can have besides the Bible on your nightstand.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to make a note of it, and we'll make sure um, that we add it uh, into the show notes so people can get a copy of it. Um, I want to I want to switch gears, I guess, just a little bit because you're you're talking to men men who are maybe finding their place, and one of the issues that uh, at least my demographic I think is running into uh, I'm early 30s uh, is people feeling a little bit purposeless and I don't know exactly why that is. I don't know if it's that uh, maybe we've bought into kind of the traditional models of, you know, you have to go get an education. You just have to pick something. And so you get your education, you start working a job and people go, what, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to actually do this. Um, and then I think I think sometimes you just have people who maybe never really got that clarity on like this is your calling in life. These are the people you're called to serve or the problem you're called to solve. Um, what are, I don't know if you have any frameworks or guidelines, but I, I just know that some of the men you're talking to are feeling a little bit aimless in life. Like they don't have a purpose and they don't know what their calling is. How do people discern God's calling on their life?
1: Man, you have some great questions and I could preach a sermon on
0: all of them. In fact, I
1: have, <laughs> you
0: can Literally. give me longer answers, man. I don't mind. We we want the good stuff here. So
1: don't, uh, don't hold back. Well, let me rip on the church for a minute. Um, the evangelical church as a movement, as a whole, um, has really let out a a, a, a a bad gospel of cheap grace. Mm-hmm. And that gospel says that you're a really bad person and Jesus loves you anyway. So try not to be bad. But right. if you do, and we know you're going to be, he'll, he'll he'll still forgive you. Now, now have a nice day. And so what's the identity that, that people put on themselves? Well, I'm a bad person. Well, of course they're going to have a, a negative, uh, of, of worthless feeling. In fact, the true gospel is that Jesus, you were a bad person. He has saved you, and now you are a new creature in Christ. And as right. a new creature, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. Now you have a mission. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest no man should boast. It's not from works, right? Yeah. So salvation comes from belief in Christ. What's the next verse? Ephesians 2, 10. That says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's that mean? It means that once you put your faith in Christ, now you have a mission. God laid down a specific mission for every man and woman who's put their faith in him to accomplish with their life. And he has gifted them specifically to accomplish that mission. Hmm. And you will be rewarded based on how well you accomplished that mission or how well you or how you, you didn't. Right. So lots of people are trying to do things that are not in their gifting. And, and you know this, there's a lot of pastors who are not gifted to be pastors. Yeah. <laughs> all to be pastors. Right. They just, well, I want to be on the varsity team. The varsity team, in the, in the God says that the things that are elevated by men and valued by men are repugnant to him. So we have to have an audience of one. Jesus Christ, what does he think of my life? So the most godly thing that you may do is raise really godly kids. That may be Hmm. your mission in life. Malachi chapter three says, I'm jealous for godly offspring. God wants godly kids. Hmm. It may be to run a business really well and to be an example to your employees about what godly love and conviction and courage looks like. It may be to serve the poor, it may be a missionary, it may be to be a pastor, maybe to be a lot of things, you know. so we have to work within our giftings. Well, how do I know what my giftings are? How do I know what God's specific call on my life is? Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that if we make our bodies a living sacrifice to God, and if we're transformed by scripture and not conformed to the world, then here's the promise. We can know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Hmm. How do we know the will of God? By not conforming to this world, but being transformed by scripture by making our bodies a daily sacrifice. So this is a long message in, in this you know a couple of minutes. Jesus says, "If you do, if you're faithful in little things, I will give you bigger things to do." You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, be obedient in the moment. what so we were mm. going back to what I was saying before.
0: Being in the moment, yeah.
1: In the moment, in the moment, in the moment. But you you did this, you said that, you thought that that was yesterday, man. I'm a new creature in Christ. Shut mm. up. But you're going to fail tomorrow. Well, maybe I will fail tomorrow. But today, I will serve the Lord. And when you do that, you'll find that suddenly God has elevated you to a place. That's the story of my life. Elevated you to a place where whatever the calling he had is for you. So the day came when when I took over Promise Keepers, and I really didn't realize what a big deal it was. You know, I suddenly had all these people that I'd only heard on the radio or read their books, you know, that I had great admiration for calling me on the phone. And I was like, whoa! all of a sudden it hit me. And I... I had this doubt for a moment. I just was like, I don't know if I'm I'm up to this. Hmm. And I heard God's voice as clearly as I've ever heard in my life right behind me say, I've been preparing you for this moment your whole life. Wow. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says that if you're walking with the Lord, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Right. So for that, you know, the LAPD being a ghetto cop, then having a successful business, then running a big foundation, I'd been able to have all this different versions of how men fail and have this experience, and suddenly I realized the whole point of my life. But I didn't get there till I was fifty years old.
0: Yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah. And so, is it um, like I? Because what I'm when I look at your
0: even your career trajectory, like. Um, I can't imagine when you were an LAPD cop, you thought one day I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> right. the CEO of Promise Keepers doing the kind of stuff you're doing. So I to me, what I'm hearing you say yet again, I guess, is you have to just be obedient. If it's not in the moment, at least in the season, right? Like God calls you to something now that could change in the future. You're not getting married to it, but you go one step at a time and you just never know how it's all going to stockpile and lead
1: to, you know, kind of a culminating moment like this for you. Yeah. Can I just say, you know, God's favorite word is wait. And um, well, that's a message for people like you know. You can tell our age differences because I've got on like a collar, you've got on a hoodie. Yeah, you know? it's, like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, someone pointed out to me one day. I'm like, that's true. Every time I look at younger guys, they all have hoodies on, and we all I've got this fleece pullover on. Um, <laughs> but but I will also say, you know, when I I sold my business and and I retired in 2012, and I really. I'd made enough money not to be really not to be rich, but enough money where I didn't have to work anymore, and I could spend my time here in Colorado skiing and hiking and doing the things I love to do. Yeah. And God called me out in a, in a major way one day that that was not His call on my life, or I think anybody's life. Honestly, mm. we have work to do. But after He had called me out, was will I was I willing to give up everything, every penny, my reputation, all for Him? And I struggled with it. His final word to me was, I'll tell you what I have for you when you're ready. So after getting me to the point where he ne- he needed that commitment from me, then he said, and you're not even ready yet. <laughs> sure. And I had to wait four more years. And for four years, I really was like, Lord. And one day I took my little New Testament with the Psalms in it. And I climbed up to the mountains with a thermos of coffee and a sandwich. And like a little kid. <laughs> I sat down by a waterfall way back in the wilderness, like nobody knew this place but me. I sat down and I said, Lord, I'm going to sit here. i watch watched the sun come up and I'm going to read this little New Testament until you talk to me. We had this conversation in my closet while I was praying and you had made me commit to everything. And then you said, I'm not ready. And I've been waiting here for a year. What do you want me to do? Yeah. And, um, my wife is very prophetic. <clears throat> and she said, Ken, I've been praying and praying. And all I hear is the word, wait, 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 wait. It's all I hear. I'm like, well, I don't like that word. Watch a different word. So here I am up in the mountains, with my little New Testament, and I and I just open it up. This is not a great Bible study method, by the way, but I just happen to open it up because I plan on being there all day. And I even said to God, you know, if it starts to get dark out here in like 15 hours, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I want you to talk to me. Yeah. I open it up and I just happen to open it up to Psalm 27: 14. Wait on the Lord, be patient and strong, and wait on the Lord. And I started to laugh. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't make me wait, but five seconds. You were like, there you go, son. <laughs> there it is. And what what he was teaching me was humility and patience because in my place now, I get, I mean, I've had USA Today write up articles on me uh, where I got huge death threats. Just a few weeks ago, I lit up Twitter with some stuff that I had said that somebody edited to make it look like some, I said something different, massive, horrendous threats, and you know, in my state in 2012, in my pride, having sold a business and thinking I was somebody I would have been responded much differently. Huh. I got those all this and I get it all the time This hate mail and stuff. I just laugh and I and I, and, I, and th- I laugh and I cry. You know, I, I feel really sad for the people who are writing those things. Yeah. I laugh at how dumb some of the stuff is. Yeah. Um, somebody told me to buy a comb. Yeah. You can say if you're <laughs> <my, my laughs> only Harry Potter. you know i i I needed to be humbled and grow in christ enough to be ready for this position so that when it came and the withering criticism came yeah i could just laugh and smile and just pray for those people and my i was not ready for that until
0: That's amazing. Okay. So that, that's a really nice tie into what we talked about earlier. Cause we, we were talking about how things like pornography, uh, some of the political agendas are making really weak men in our society. And I think it's the one thing I've observed is people are super sensitive to criticism or, you know, any kind of, even like some people just can't handle feedback these days, you know, because, uh, they become so sensitive and soft and you're talking about getting death threats, uh, people taking your content, trying to like reframe it or repurpose it. Um, I get that quite a bit as well. I had that happen yesterday. Somebody, uh, literally like one of the most expletive messages I've seen about my, about some of my content. Um, and I guess I'm just wondering, like, what do you do to handle it? Because I think I think this is literally going to become a skill that we have to teach people as time goes on, because society is just not naturally bringing out that side of men. Um, what do you do to handle criticism? Because like you said, you can laugh about it. You can
1: cry about it. Um, how'd you get to that place? There's so much I could say on this. Um, first of all, good for you. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, blessed are you when people persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you. Rejoice, great is your reward in heaven. Mm. we're promised that we're going to be hated if we're doing it right. So if you don't have any enemies and if nobody's putting you down for your walk with Christ, then you're probably not walking with Christ as well as you should be. Wow. Your generation has a real disadvantage. Um, I'll talk to that a little bit and then I'll talk to the bigger thing. Please. One of the biggest, you know, we're talking to mostly men here, right? So one of the biggest problems that men have is men are, are scared of rejection by women. Yes. Men are scared of rejection by women, right? Yep. It's true. Women are shocked to hear that, but it's very true. And it's one of the reasons why men behave so badly in many ways is because they're afraid of rejection. That's literally why a, a lot of our clients watch porn for that reason. They don't have to risk yes. any rejection. That's where I was starting to go with that. Yeah. In all cultures and generations before yours, you constantly had to risk rejection by women. If I wanted to... Interact with females. What did I do? I went to the school dance and I asked them to dance, and they went, "Oh, you're gross, get out of here." You know, or <laughs> well, they said, "Yeah, I'd love to dance with you." Right? Yeah. And I had to ask him out on a date, and I had to call the landline where their dad would answer the phone and say, "Is is Melissa there?" And he would right. go, "Who are you?" You know, and then it's eight o'clock at night. Why are you calling her eight o'clock? You know, all that stuff. And then I'd have to ask her out on a date, and then all those things. So all generations up until yours had to deal with one on one asking girls out, going on a date, going to a dance. You guys haven't, you guys have this whole social media thing. And Mm. it's really brutalizing your ability to interact with cultures and other people. Mm. So, okay. Describe the problem. Mm. The other thing that's affecting everybody is that if I wanted to put you down all before now, I would have to do it to your face. Hey, you know, I think you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. Right. I did that. What did I risk? getting punched in the face. Right? <laughs> now, through social media, I can be a hero and I can see all kinds of evil things about people and not risk any reaction, not risk any blowback. So literally social media has become a place of losers to have a voice where they never would have been able to before. It's mm. the little um uh, whatever guy that that has a problem or or scorned person or tra- traumatized person that can just say all kinds of evil things over the internet and not risk getting punched in the nose yeah right. You're dealing with a new dynamic of how do we deal with this right so yep. that's the problem what's the solution for me i found that getting criticized made me a lot tougher to being criticized and so that's probably not something that people want to hear but um, it was really two things. Number one, maturing to the point where I saw people. You know, with the pray, prayer I pray almost every time I pray to the Lord is, "God, help me to see people through Your eyes. Right. Help me to see them the way You see them, not as whatever is in front of me, but the soul behind the piercings or the tattoos or the smirk or the anger or the you know trans lives matter sign or whatever it is. That's a human being that yeah. needs Jesus, right? Yeah, when you start right. to see. Well, that way, their criticism means a lot less. And then when you get criticized a lot, it really means a lot less to the point where you start to laugh. And I, I used to marvel. I remember this story about Ronald Reagan. He was the ultimate at, at people saying horrible things and just making jokes about it. There's a story about he was in Wisconsin um, speaking, and all of a sudden, a bunch of girls jumped up on the, the uh, shoulders of these guys and lifted their tops up and showed their bare breasts. And Reagan, without even hesitating, said, well, I, I can see that we're in the dairy state. I mean, you know, that's a guy who's just responding to the moment, not getting caught up in his ego. So, yeah. So number one, having an audience of one, what does Jesus think of me? That's all I care about. Yeah. Number two, seeing people through Christ's eyes. And then number three, getting out there, getting the withering criticism, it still hurts Yeah. to the point where now you start to react to it differently. I would say those are the three things. Yeah, it's
0: amazing. And I think that story with Ronald Reagan shows the value of just not taking yourself too seriously as well, right? Right. Yeah, it's amazing. So, okay, we've talked about how like uh, a healthy man today is, uh, they know the truth because they're in scripture. Um, They're building strength because they're regularly exposing themselves to conflict or difficult circumstances, they're at least not backing down from those opportunities as they come. They're not watching pornography. Uh, We touched a little bit on kind of the relationship part and leading the families well um, and being a protector of the family, everything else. Have we missed anything here? Is there anything that's missing from this picture of what a healthy biblical man looks like in 2022 and beyond?
1: Yeah. I just want to say, um, to, to put a bow on that, don't try harder to be a good man. Try harder to fall in love with Jesus, because if you really try hard not to look at pornography, you you might be successful, but you're working in your flesh. Right. Fall in love with Jesus. You begin to see things differently. We're talking about perception. Just think for a moment on pornography. That woman isn't doing that because it's fun for her. She's doing it because she's been exploited or sex trafficked or sexually abused. I mean, there's a woman doesn't do that for a couple hundred bucks for fun. No, people are making those movies are not doing it because they're your pal and they want you to have a good time. They're doing it because they make more money from every click you make to exploit more women. A man who's in love with Jesus wants to go and put a a blanket around that girl and say, you don't have to do this anymore. Let me tell you about Christ. Now, very few men are at that point, but that's Mm -hmm. the road that we're all on. But begin to see again. If you see people through the eyes of Christ, you begin to get less titillated by that girl and more your heart breaks, that she would put herself in that position with these strange, disgusting men.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, And I I couldn't agree more. So let me ask you this, because uh, I imagine one of the things you deal with, especially in Promise Keepers, would be this generational dynamic, right? Like you talked about I'm wearing hoodie uh, versus the polo and all that kind of stuff. what would you, what advice would you give to my generation? Um, and I guess I'm particularly wondering in the context of if we did want to glean from the generation ahead of us, because that's something we, we really beat that one pretty loud on our podcast, which is like, uh, we don't have it all figured out. And I think every generation thinks that they're, you know, smarter and stronger and better than the previous ones. And, uh, you know, often it takes us until we reach our 50s and our 60s to realize, oh, we were just another generation, you know, and we see the next one come up. So I'm trying to teach my guys that now so that we can be a little bit ahead of the curve and try to glean from people. Um, I spent like two hours with my grandpa yesterday, he's 91. And I'm just I was just asking for stories, you know, because you just learn so much about the world and life and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a big believer in this. And I guess I'm just curious, what would be your wisdom for somebody who's uh, maybe my age, maybe younger or even a little bit older that does want to glean from the next generation? What's what's the best way for them to do that?
1: You know, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. I I was taught in the police Academy, whenever you have a new partner, take all the good things from him and learn from the bad things. Hmm. If if you're 30 some years old, I'm 55. um, I've lived a lot more life. I've raised my kids. I've, I've made all the mistakes. I have a lot to offer you that, um, can help you not make the mistakes that I made. And I can tell you the things that caused victories that, uh, I have three really godly kids. How did I get in there? Like, those are things that are helpful. There are also perceptions and things that I have that are not helpful. I was raised in a world that was completely white. I was raised in Oregon. All of TV was white. There was no people of color. I mean, I remember when the Jeffersons first came on TV, that was like, oh, that's a black guy on TV. Like, that's weird. So those those are perceptions that I have for my youth that aren't as healthy as your perceptions. You were raised in a much more realistic and real world than I was.
0: Right. So I'm going to
1: have failures. I remember saying to my daughter one day, she's an English teacher in a Christian school, really bright girl, very well read, loves Jesus. And, uh, she was kind of talking about, you know, white guys and, and all that stuff. And I said, well, you know, maybe, and I mean, come on, I mean, white men made America and, um, they did some good things. I mean, they gave up, their rights to include everybody else, and she said, "Oh, that's really interesting that you should think that they were their rights to give up in the first place instead of something they stole." I'm like, oh, that's right. a perspective, and I didn't, I didn't realize how jacked up my perspective was until that. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> right. So, you guys, you want to listen to the experience of people who are older than you, and you want to be aware that maybe we're wrong about a few things. That that, especially with all the internet and all the new information that's come out, there are some things that you guys know and have that are better than us. And that's okay. But we have some things that are better than you because we were raised in a more godly society. I will definitely say we are much more Christian Judeo Christian foundation and we have a lot more experience. And so chew up the meat spit out the bones. It's okay to say to your elder with respect, I think you're wrong, but, um, he's probably right about more than he's wrong about with, if he's a godly man who knows scripture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good answer. And I think, um, I think the other thing that sometimes we forget is how willing people are. Like, um, like when, when I ask my grandpa as an example for, uh, for stories and stuff, or my dad, even like their faces just light up. Like they, they love it, you know, but sometimes there's that mental barrier of like, Oh, I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to come across as stupid or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, very, very helpful answer. Um, I want to switch gears one last time here, uh, and I do want to respect your time, but you're you're leading one of the most influential organizations for Christian men in, I would say, North America. Obviously, the Canadian branch is rebranded to Impactus, but uh, we know the roots are promise keepers, and uh, the name is very strong here. And I guess I'm just curious, like, what are some of the things that you're dreaming about? What are the things God's been talking to you about, Ken, uh, for for the organization and for for men in general? When you look ahead of the next five, ten, twenty five years, uh, you're clearly a visionary man. What do you see?
1: It's interesting because if you'd asked me what I see two years ago, I would have given you a totally different answer. Um, hmm. Is that because of the pandemic? partly yeah okay a lot a lot to do with it but um you know when when god called me back to this and it's a longer story i won't go into but i thought i knew what he was what he wanted which was to bring promise keepers back to what it was in the 90s and that's not what it's always important we have have a saying here at promise keepers that never see your shadow which means never run ahead of god's glory where you start seeing your shadow because this is when we make mistakes Mm. his word is wait he's never in a hurry we're in a hurry Um, We did pull off a really successful event last year at Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Yes. uh, Got a lot of great press and it was great, but people are not getting together in, um, in big events like they were by a long shot, even still Um, a guy whom I know who's great. Who's thrown a lot of huge events. He got a huge stadium and only had 5,000 people show up. Right. The problem that I had already seen was that we have an epidemic of the friendless American male. And I probably could say the friendless Canadian male too. Yeah. Well, look, like I tell you, you're up in the sea with my favorite rock group, man. Rush was they were the band, man. When hey, I was, hey, look at that. That's awesome. That was Giddy Lee. <laughs> um, but um you uh what I'm seeing is that men need to be in relationship. And again, it's very awkward, and generationally it's very awkward because it's something we've talked about too. Yeah, your generation really needs that mentorship in a lot of ways, like risking female rejection and all that kind of stuff its leading to all these issues. Our, our generation needs to be mentored by you guys with some of the bigger perspective you had by being raised with a bigger, in a bigger world than we were. Mm. So I'm starting to see promise keepers as something that it's not that we won't have big rallies. We will, but primarily we've developed this app and it's a really good app. And we've got about 50,000 guys on it right now, which sounds more impressive than it is because 50,000 is not going to change the world but it's, it's just going. It has huge usage. We have 150,000 conversation strings since the year started. Wow. Guys going in and, and talking about their issues and getting help. And there's godly content on there. You can get content on um, all kinds of stuff. I'm going to go to in a minute on our virtu- virtual stuff that you can get on there, but really godly teaching and practical teaching. This is men talking to men in a way that you can't necessarily talk to them in church. Like what you say on here about pornography, you're not going to say to your congregation. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty blunt with guys. I mean, I'll say stuff. I hope this isn't too racy for your show, but I feel that's like you're awesome. jerking off your computer screen, buddy, you ain't in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's yep. how men talk to men, right? You can't say that with women in the room, it would be inappropriate. Um, so, the, the app is is really a viable thing. And what we're finding is we have incredible usage. So those 50,000 guys that are on that app are actually using the app. And our and our average time on the app is three times that of Facebook. So that's where it's going. That's awesome. They're developing friendships and they're discovering guys in their local cities that they can be friends with. Driving that are these virtual events. We just had one called Carried and it was on mental health. It's All of them are an hour long because they, they go on TV, on several TV cha- channels, show them. We had about a quarter million men watch each event when we put them out. So carried is a mental health that we don't talk about in the church. Usually it's on depression, bipolar, suicide, guilt, grief, the things that drag men down. Mm. We did one six months ago on sexual integrity, took the issues on head on. And then we have a 30 day challenge. So most of these have a challenge after them. So the one on sexual integrity, deep dive into specific issues with guys. Men who have been sexually traumatized when they were young by other men generally grow up with same-sex attraction. Doesn't mean they're homosexual. it mean, but they struggle with that. There's a lot more men that are in that camp than you. They're married. They're heterosexual, but they have same-sex attraction from some kind of trauma. We don't talk about that in the church. It's not a safe place to say, "Hey, man, I'm struggling with this issue." You guys are like, "Dude, you know." But we take it on head-on, and then on this 30-day challenge, we had 5,000 men go through the 30 day challenge and get healed from pornography and perversion. Wow. The, the comments we've gotten have been huge. I mean, like 65 years old addicted to porn since I was nine ruined my marriage, ruined my kids. I'm completely free. And then a few months later, get a new one. I am free. I haven't looked at it. So all this great stuff. So I've realized promise keepers, the brand is so strong globally Gives us the credibility to talk about these issues. And men are going, I- I'm going to pay attention because you have a name that I trust. Yep. So I-, I really think these virtual events that we put on, where we can reach a quarter of a million guys instead of 50,000 at like a, f- a 20th of the cost. Yeah. And then the app, I think that's where we're heading. And then we'll do events here and there. But yeah. I think that's going to be the main thrust of us. That is absolutely incredible. I, I love that and I think it it really
0: does echo something that we're observing um, anecdotally in our work. And the research is also showing that like, it's connection. It's really all about connection. When people can find points for meaningful connection, that's what our society is gravitating towards. And an app like that just provides so many incredible outlets for people to do that. And obviously with the challenges, you have a community. I can just imagine 5,000 other guys all pursuing freedom together for 30 days. Like how powerful is
1: that? You know, it's amazing. Yeah. You start realizing you're not on your own. And I mean, it's the another thing Satan wants to do to, to people, especially men, isolate you. Yeah. No, freak. I can't believe you thought that. Who are you? You start getting with these guys and you realize, geez, man, these guys are just as jacked up as I am. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus loves us anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Ken, this has been amazing. Uh, you just have a, a book that's recently come out. Uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and uh, anything else that you want to redirect our audience to.
1: Well, thanks. I wrote this book. Um, so I wrote a book a few years ago called um, Rise of the Servant Kings. It has a bunch of cop stories in it. it's just about about being a man in Christ. But this one, I was really convicted, right? It's called A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. And so it's sort of like, well, why should I be a good person? You know, why why should I give up my rights to myself? Why should I give up everything? Jesus said, if you don't give up, if you're not willing to say goodbye to all your positions, you're not worthy of me. Well, wait a minute. I thought we just had to believe in him for salvation. So I wrote this book saying, "Now salvation is a start. You've been born again. What does that mean? It means you're a baby. And now you need to grow in Christ. But why? Because... God goes on and on and on about the fact that we will be rewarded for what we do in heaven, that there will be a judgment seat of Christ, Second Corinthians 5, 10. We're all going to be judged, the Christians, based on what we did with what he gave us. So again, we talked about he's gifted us specifically, and he put out a plan for each one of us, at the beginning of time for us to accomplish of good works. How well did we accomplish those? Not for our salvation, but Jesus says to the overcomer, not to everybody, to the overcomer, I will pull him up and let him sit on my throne at my father's right hand. The Mm. overcomer will reign with me over and over. We're seeing, I definitely want to be an overcomer. Right. And so we see now his, his parables in Matthew chapter 25, you know, like the three slaves master goes on a long journey, comes back and asks for an accounting. Two of the slaves were hard at work and they, they did stuff. You know, it's it's his analogy for doing good works. And both of them, he says in the Luke passage of that, um, he rewards, go be in charge of 10 cities. You go be in charge of five cities. And then there's the one slave that doesn't want to take any risks. So he goes and buries everything. When the master comes back for an accounting, he says, well, I know you're kind of hard and I knew you're kind of demanding. And so I buried this. Here's your money back. And the master says, you wicked, lazy slave. Throws him out with the hypocrites into the outer darkness. That's a, It's talking about the judgment of the Christians. And so the, the to the extent to which we overcame this world, To the extent to which we were faithful in little things, then he gave us more things to do. He will reward us with crowns and rulership for eternity. And to to those who are lazy, they're going to suffer great loss. And so that book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, is an encouragement for us. What we do in this life really, really, really matters. We want to be about our Father's business.
0: That's amazing amazing we'll put a link uh, in the show notes and then I imagine promise keepers just the the standard website would be a great place for people to plug in. is there anything else that the guys should know
1: about Ken yeah great question PromiseKeepers.org. yeah if you get a chance we have a you know go watch those virtual events they're only an hour long they're really yeah. good they're the best speakers around I mean it's, it's Tony Evans and, and James Robinson and and I mean just just giants in the faith and yeah. it's, they move quick they're quick messages they're boom boom boom. And you get those, all those at promisekeepers.org or just download the app at the app store.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. Ken, thanks so much for your time, man. This has been a real treat. And I'm almost shocked that you weren't a pastor in a former life because uh, you're so full of the word and you have so much wisdom. This was a really rich interview. Thank you again for your time. Thanks, man. Well, I hope that was as rich for you as it was for me. Uh, You know, you may not even agree with everything Ken says. Obviously, this guy is a straight shooter. Uh, He's not holding anything back. Uh, That's okay. You know, there's plenty of room in this world for us to have different opinions and to still find ways to learn from each other. And, you know, he even talked about chewing the meat and spitting out the bones. And I think that that's a great analogy in the podcast world as well. Um, So I hope that was valuable. We're going to put links to everything in the show notes, but it was really clear to me that that app they've developed is going to be supremely valuable and you can get that promise promisekeepers.org or if you just go to your app store and you type in promise keepers it's going to show up highly recommend you do that and if you guys are maybe looking for a little bit more of a live experience to get help in the areas of sexuality and pornography and that kind of thing I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It is a private community of men from around the world pursuing freedom. And I'm going live in there every single week to help guys like you get practical ways uh, or practical tools to pursue freedom. There's also gonna be time for questions. So if you want some coaching from me, maybe there's something you've always wondered and you just, you know, you're just like, oh, I wish I could talk to Cynthia directly because you have some unique elements of your situation or you've never heard us talk about it on the podcast everything that can be covered in these live videos. Uh, and they happen in our Facebook community. So I put a link in the show notes to that as well. I would love to see you there. But in the meantime, guys, um, thanks for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery.